Well, it's um, it's ten past nine on a weekday, Ed. Uh, I've had a, a really long working day. My brain is properly scrambled. Um, but the world has changed immeasurably in the last forty-eight hours, and uh, we uh, we decided there was only one possible medium by which we could try and make sense of this, and that's talking to each other for the recording it and getting other people to listen to it yeah it's it's funny i um i mean you prefaced our last show by saying this may well be out of date by the time we drop it and that was very true and that was right of you to do this um and we're going to drop this one tonight i believe and it it may well be out of date by the time it drops (laughs) as well because this thing is moving so quickly and i i re-listened to our show uh, this morning, because um, a couple of people had mentioned they uh, they enjoyed our analysis, so I just wanted you know to really think about what we said, and and actually quite a lot we said was quite out of date, mm. <laughs> um, and it's amazing how much stuff has come out once the media really started to try and dig into this. And you were saying just before we came on air that we we almost gave them too much credit for too much strategic thinking. Yeah. Um, and you know we had a lot of long chat about the Overton window and and you know how this was may have been a negotiating tactic. I think that was my you know my my belief that um, you know that, although Perez said in his interview his his deranged dere- utterly deranged interview that uh, this they'd all signed it it was locked in no one could get out this was really important <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly. Um, that um that they were definitely doing this that that it still felt that there were two paths they could go down and one fork led to renegotiation of the swiss model champions league and the other to the super league yeah. and and maybe in fact there was far more hubris in this as you were you were saying to me just off air than we gave them credit for and 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 it has collapsed so quickly so shall we just recap quickly the steps that have happened since since we spoke on on Sunday night, because you know, and and everything that's come out since, because it is pretty crazy, you know. The, so um, step in if I get any of this wrong, um, and and uh, you know what what I uh, have seen and read. So uh, Guardian uncovered um, some of the documentation. They did that by looking into the source code <laughs> of the Super League website, <laughs> and it was there in PDF. Um, just wow! System admin fired. Number one, um, uh, and, and that gave details on on um, uh, on the big lie uh, that Perez said in his in- interview that we never invited Bayern and, and PSG. We we hope others will come in. You know, that well, it was well, in there. PSG, Bayern, and Borussia all invited and given an ultimatum. Like, go, well, go what ahead. I was going to say is, let's start from the start. So we finished recording um, on Sunday. And uh, then it started to become pretty clear that um, well, they were talking about an announcement was going to happen. And Gary Neville absolutely kicked off on Sky after the game. I mean, look, we yep. can we can have a conversation maybe today and maybe uh, over the coming weeks about who said what and when and what that all means and what they should reflect on about the rest of their lives. But I, I was quite glad that there wasn't too much of that and there was there was more unity and less yes but you said I mean there was a lot of yes but you said including from me um but I I then subsequently deleted it about under Herrera but anyway to start from the start that evening at <laughs> half past 10 um or even though later yes. than that even 
I'd forgotten that step in the the whole grubby process. Yeah, um, yeah. they announced the Super League. And at that point, everything changed. Because at that point, if this is now a negotiating tactic, this is a driving off the cliff negotiating tactic. Um, various of the clubs, not including the cowardly Manchester United, um, <laughs> tweeted, we're a founding club of the uh, European Super League, of yes. the Super League. Template template press release went yeah. out. Yeah, the website went Terrible up. Terrible branding. Uh, which, um, Absolutely, like, atrociously yeah. cheap-looking branding. Um, called, crucially, the Super League, rather than the European Super League, which I think was about leaving some yes. doors open for future developments. Uh, I think so, given given what Perez said in his interview as well, yes. He, he very much pointedly said... Um, about clubs from all around the world. You know, it's not a closed shop. We've got five places from clubs for, from all around the world. You know, yes. Um, and then everything went absolutely crazy. I mean, the level of condemnation. Oh, um, and Jose Mourinho got sacked. <laughs> like, on Sunday, Jose yes. Mourinho got sacked. <laughs> Which should have been the most momentous day in the history of this podcast since the last time Jose Mourinho got sacked. Um, just got, so I wasn't even happy about it because football felt like it had been ruined i mean um so that happens on the sunday night um monday night was when perez gave his deranged interview all the way through uh monday things are bubbling the stuff you said around the guardian finding that it was a lie that they hadn't invited peter that might have been even today i don't know um but i think that might have been yesterday um, so they'd lied about not inviting PSG. Bayern came out today very strongly and said they weren't going to um, join it under any circumstances. Everton released a kind of yep. beautifully strongly worded statement. Yesterday, Bruno Fernandes uh, tweeted, dreams can't be bought. Um, he, well, yes. he Instagrammed dreams can't be by, um, uh, which is almost the same as what yeah, I said. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Podence, um put out, a, 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 not a tweet, an Instagram post as well and... Uh, and Bruno reacted yeah. to that, um, and and a few and, and Herrera, as you said, gave the statement beautifully written, a very authentic statement from Ander. Dot dot dot. If he wasn't playing for Paris Saint Germain, yeah. and I and I, I mentioned that, and then I deleted that tweet because I thought, right now, someone said to me like, "Don't, this isn't the time," and I kind of thought it's PSG, but uh, I, he's right, it wasn't the time. Um, but now. You you play for PSG and uh, anyway um, now that we've won we can uh, we can do the aftermath um, uh, all the way through I mean Gary Monday Night Football was electric um, Neville and it was a Liverpool game lots of protesters outside um, the ground people running after the Liverpool bus and and booing um, the fans asked for the flags to be removed from the cop. Um, Yep, and uh, lots of banners hung up outside the ground. Was the game even at Liverpool? I can't remember. Um, yeah, it was yeah. Anfield, wasn't uh, it? and so yeah, running after the the video of them running after the bus and booing was really funny because people running and booing at the same time is really funny. Um, but <laughs> uh, but there was a lot of solidarity among different fans. I mean, a few pot shots take. Yes, a joint a, a joint statement by various supporters trusts yeah. of of all the. "Quote unquote big six. Can we stop calling them? That? Yeah, yeah. Can we? Can we just call them franchise the cow- six the or some six. other cowardly six? Yeah. Uh, um, anyway, yes, yeah. No, a lot of solidarity there, and and fans outside the game. Um, what I thought watching that game as Le- Leeds equalised late in that game was, well, they're just proving why Fenway wanted yeah, to do exactly, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
the two points Liverpool dropped, uh, the vagaries of competition, and we don't like that sort of thing when it comes to profit. Yeah. Making. Uh, Milner, I mean, Klopp was terrible. Pathetic uh, interview. Uh, he, he deserves no credit whatsoever, Klopp. Having a go at Gary Neville, he just missed the point. He, he really did. And and in his defence, he was under a lot of pressure in, and it only happened that day. I think it stood in stark contrast to Pep Guardiola's extremely measured statement. I mean, just completely fearless, unadulterated, very straightforward statement about... Yes. It confuses me, Pep, because he he um, he's the, the leading figure in a sport washing project you know the city and city group would not be the same thing without pep they structured their whole business around getting him and he uh, wears a yellow uh, ribbon um, in support of catalan independence at the same time and then he came out with a what i thought was an excellent statement and loads more clarity than klopp around how um, competition is important, fundamental to to football, and 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 it doesn't exist without it. And, and yeah, so he's confusing. But you know, so so was Neville because um, he said nothing in two thousand and five, and he did have a mayor culpa about that to say that he feels complicit um, in what happened. We haven't even mentioned Alex Ferguson put out a statement. Mm. Alex Ferguson, who on every possible occasion supported the Glazers against the fans in, in, in no uncertain mm. terms. There's no ambu- ambiguity, but, uh, you know, I, and, and uh, his statement was kind of interesting, you know, a little bit inco- incoherent in places, but basically saying, yeah, this is changing 70 years of European football. This is not good. Um, and, and then the last bit, I don't know if they're really doing it, and I had nothing to do yeah, with it. Yeah. Protect my legacy. <laughs> um, yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, lots of people opening up opening themselves up to accusations of hypocrisy and imperfectness but actually and I was saying to a friend of the show Musa Okwongo like the the left could learn a big lesson from this like just achieve the thing and then work you know and then like pick holes in the perfection of the people that are achieving the thing but anyway that's that's a, a definitely a side note um uh, uh, all the way through this, I felt extremely bleak about this. It felt very yeah. unlikely to me that, and, and you know, I'm delighted to have been proven so wrong. Um, and I think that the, the, a couple of key inflection points for me, one when Amazon Prime Sport tweeted out, we've got nothing to do with this, which I thought was really interesting because um, obviously it wasn't a total denunciation of the thing, but it was an effective denunciation of the thing. And the scale of backlash, the little start, little leaks started to come out from boardrooms. They were expecting a bit of backlash, but not this scale. All the stuff with Chelsea about how their pitch is owned by someone other than the club and that they wouldn't let them play the games at Stamford Bridge, which was kind of hilarious. Yes, that's 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 a legacy of Ken Bates's regime, that yeah. one. It's interesting, yeah. But but even the leak that Chelsea and City had this dumped on yeah. them effectively and and very and they weren't and and you know, this again maybe protecting their legacy given given what City and what Chelsea are trying to achieve for their respective owners, right? You know, it's not really about money for them. Um so the leak that this was dumped on them. They weren't the driving forces behind it. It was very much the American owners in the Premier League plus Real um, driving this. Uh, uh, yeah, kind of said something, didn't it? It's, it's yeah, that was the first edifice of of this whole shabby, shoddy, disgusting thing mm. coming down. 
Um, and, and like, by the way, I'm not giving any credit to these no. guys. <laughs> so none at all. You know, the idea that a multi-nation sport washing project and the plaything of someone who ripped off the Russian people would have some kind of moral centre. Not not going to have that at all. You know, they are for different reasons. And we can go on about this on another occasion. They are grubby, grubby institutions themselves. But, you know, at least at least they uh, were not able to um, countenance uh, joining a Super League when they realised the scale of pushback from the football mm. community. I mean, yeah. And government. I, exactly. And government. So Boris Johnson, um, not somebody that, uh, for those of you not in the UK and not au fait with UK politics, not someone that you and I would agree with on, oh, I don't know, anyth- anything, 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 um, but he uh, he was kind of, I don't know, it's kind of interesting really that the government took a very strong stance about this and uh, whether that was just an, I mean, I presume that was just an op- opportunity to get some populist support, but also I think particularly in the light of Brexit, um, a genuine fear about the dilution of the Premier League, something that is a yeah. very valuable cultural soft power export for the UK. Absolutely. I mean, uh, and it's probably more powerful than the royal family. Yeah. You know, it's certainly more consistent and reliable as a soft power export. So, yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't, um, you know, it goes without saying that this government is not somehow down with the yeah. people uh, in support of the working man against the the rich who stole their game, right? This is, you know, this, this is, um, yeah, it's uh, obviously 30 years since... Uh, ID uh, Margaret Thatcher tried to, or probably more, in fact, uh, tried to introduce ID cards for football fans. You know, effectively branding football fans as some kind of criminal entity. So, you know, I don't think uh, the uh, there's somehow love of the game within this government, um, but they like the institution. Uh, we'll find out in the days and weeks to come if they really want to protect football. They will. There will be an independent regulator of football. It's needed because the game cannot reg- regulate itself as we've seen. Um, and, and you know, if they're really, really serious about protecting the legacy uh, as a community... 50 plus one, baby. Um, 50, is 50 plus one or some form of fan representation or ownership that has some kind of meaning? Because with Bayern, Bayern do not have that response if, if uh, the fans do not represent the major shareholder. You know, I don't believe that's true. Uh, PSG got a different reason for doing it. Um, to do with politics, but Bayern do not have that response. I was even amazed, and I was saying it to a different group of people, um, I was amazed that uh, Real and Bayern and Atletico thought they could push this through without consulting the Yeah, uh, Real and you know? Barca and Atletico. Um, yeah. 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 But Bayern. It's the, op- it's the opposite Bayern. of what yeah. I did on the last show. B, anyway. B. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, and and apparently they they their hubris was so big that they thought they didn't have to. Um, although there is some anecdotal evidence that uh, that this may have been popular, given Rail's nine hundred and something billion euro debt and Barcelona's one point two billion euro. And debt. you know, like over the last forty eight hours, I've been stocking up stuff to say on next week's show about how gross loads of this is and why it's bad and all this stuff, a lot of which is kind of redundant now. But worth pointing out that Florentino Perez um, made a claim that this was for the good of football and a response to the pandemic. Now, uh, this is like governments putting... 
big yeah lie. government's putting through oppressive regressive legislation using the pandemic as an excuse this is but to do something they've always wanted to do paris has wanted to do this for years and barca and real madrid are not in financial trouble because of the pandemic. They're in financial trouble because they spent 100 million on Philippe Coutinho and a dead Ousmane Dembele and 130 million in Real's case on a 29-year-old Eden Hazard and, 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 and. Like, these people... Well, in that same deranged interview, Perez is talking about Mbappe. They're going to spunk 200 million euros on Mbappe at the same time claiming that... They're, they're selling out the game because pandemic. Yeah. Anyway, it, we know it's, you know, it's it's a, it's a load of nonsense. And, and that felt like PR aimed at the socios to get mm. them on board, of course. But yeah, I mean, there's so much. You say you're stocking up things to talk about. There's so much. I, I, I don't think in all our years of of talking about United or writing about United, um, there's been a, a story moving this fast right. and collapsing this Absolutely. quickly. Uh, in football. And and look, um, this will be gone, but the legacy of it will yeah. not be gone for sure. You know, we talked about uh, government and I do hope there's a real push either from the sports secretary, Oliver Dowden, or, or, or the Labour Party in opposition or others or at the European level to regulate a game that uh, clearly cannot be trusted to do the right thing. You know, sport, sport, uh, no matter what people who've sort of supported the Glazer takeover have said over the years, is not like every other business. It is not. And the fact that they wanted to uh, form a cartel, an anti-competitive cartel, demonstrates that. And the fact that um, transfers and contracts get an opt-out from typical European legislation demonstrates that. And the fact that these clubs have 150 years of community involvement you know, or that Real and Barcelona and Letico and Bayern and Borussia partly or fully owned effectively by mm. the fans demonstrates that this is not normal business, and and the you know we can think about this very differently because it's it goes beyond just pure investment, um and and um you know so that will be one of the legacies. One of the legacies is that we cannot trust these to run our game, Abs- uh, and we must not trust them either. Um, and and I think our relationship with this club, as you said, you know, you felt down and and you know, bad about it. You know, absolutely, I felt sick for the last few days about you know what this means for you know the relationship with Manchester United. I've been supporting them for forty years yeah, or something, yeah. you know. And and everyone nice, else nice, who goes home nice or something when it's absolutely forty years. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Wish it was yeah. less, but wow, that makes yeah. me feel old. You know, what kind of relationship can you have with this kind of institution that is prepared to just, you know, screw over the game and their own fans and just couldn't care less? Couldn't care less because, you know, and and I think think it was on the Ornstein and Chapman podcast, you know, um, Mark Chapman had been having some discussions with people in the background. Basically, you know, directors of these clubs are completely dismissive of, quote, unquote, legacy fans. Yeah, and And... As we talked, and about. you think like the one of the things that's interesting is 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 the the legacy fans turn out to have enormous power actually because because this is this is a united front of fans, government, um, uh, supporters, trusts, and things like that, but also also the entire broadcast world. And I do think that's really interesting. And I think it's very easy to just, and I'm not saying this isn't a part of it, 
to just talk about the hypocrisy of Sky and talking about football being for the people when they were trying to charge fourteen ninety nine for pay per view and blah 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 and all that stuff. We know all that. Um, and but there was something I felt fairly honest about Neville and Carragher. Well, completely honest, actually. Completely uncynical about Carragher and Neville's position. And maybe there was some blind spots. And and I I um, assume that exactly the same conversations would have been happening if it was Rio Ferdinand and Paul Scholes in the the BT Sports studios. You know, this this was universally kind of pretty much derided. I mean, there were were little pockets of, of people who were more positive about it, but... But by and large, there's a very united front against this. And then that brings us to the end game. So Chelsea pull out while the, while crowds were gathered outside Stamford Bridge protesting to amazing, yes, amazing and, response. And Peter Cech, I think, he, is he director yeah, of football like there or technical yeah. director? Yeah, saying, wait, wait, <laughs> wait. And I, I it's, it was a sort of, I, my first take on that was he was saying, this is not the time, you know, the typical... You know, there's been some mass shooting. This is not the time to talk about yeah, gun control yeah, yeah. kind of nonsense. But maybe he knew yes. something. Maybe. I think what he was saying is just give me 10 minutes. I was about to cancel. We're about to cancel it, basically. City dropped out and then uh, the whole thing fell apart. And I mean, the reason that we're here, because I think we probably would have talked about this at the end of the week. You know, because because whatever. I mean, we've we've done the 20 minutes on this, but but then the thing happened that changed the game. Now, unfortunately, this is not instant gratification because uh, there has been a press release while we've been on air, um, and an announcement from Manchester United that Ed Woodward is to leave his role at the end of 2021. Not the end of the season, but in, what, eight months' time. Um, Manchester United has today announced that Executive Vice Chairman Ed Woodward will step down from his role at the end of 2021. But he joined in 2005, became chairman, blah, blah, blah. I'm extremely proud to have blah, blah, blah. This club is well positioned, blah, blah, blah. I will treasure, blah, blah, blah. I've invested, we have invested more than blah, blah, blah. Absolute idiot talking absolute idiot nonsense. It's kind of a shame that it's not till the end of 2021. I suppose that is um, pretty standard um corporate world movements this is not a football manager this is an executive director kind of role exactly that is very standard in corporates to to give time to to bring in the next guy and and have some kind of transfer of power um and and look maybe this had been planned for a while um maybe it's been accelerated because of what has happened and the utterly shambolic rollout of of super league and and got to be clear about that Woodward has failed massively in his role as as chairman at Manchester oh, yeah. United. He's failed in building a squad. He's failed in appointing the right managers. He's failed in putting the right structures in place. You know, uh, seven eight years since he was appointed uh, at, you know, to be the main man, and we finally have a technical director and director of football. And he failed in this rollout as one of the principal instigators. Um, and yeah, you know, it's not all his own fault, but. But uh, he should be fired just for that. He should be fired for many reasons. Uh, so who knows whether this has been accelerated because of what happened and this, you know, this this shambolic rollout. Uh, the spin given to the BBC was that he's this was always planned and they brought the announcement forward because of leaks or something like that, which doesn't really make any sense as an excuse um, at all. But 
Um, I, you know, I, I, I would not be surprised if there is not some something more to this behind the scenes, and we'll find out. Um, and it's a shame he's not gone tomorrow, honestly, because I don't want pressing in the club for one second longer than than is absolutely necessary. I want the Glazers in the club uh, for one second longer than is necessary. And it may well be that this collapsing, um, a- along with you know their their great hope of driving extra revenue um, out of Manchester United, it may well be that we're at the beginning of the end game of of them. You know, because they're not going to get without Super League um, and with the next uh, right cycle, both in, in Europe um, and in the Premier League, likely to be mm. down. They're not going to drive more value out of this club than they have right no, now. No, absolutely. And and I do wonder whether the staying till the end of 2021 is about overseeing a sale as much as anything else. You know, um, you wonder because the Glazers... I hope so, although I guess we better be careful it, exactly. what we wish for. Yeah, I'm sure that's uh, that's a conversation that is coming down the pike. Um, Woodward, I will treasure my time, my memories from my time at Old Trafford during a period when we won the Europa League, the FA Cup and the EFL Cup. Like, Go <laughs> like honest... God damn it, man. Like, well, the lad before you <laughs> oversaw us win the league every year. So, you know... I don't know how many champions... Was David Gill uh, in charge of 2008? Yeah, of course he was. It wasn't Kenyon yet, was it? Or maybe it was still Kenyon, actually. Um, but anyway. I, c- I can't remember when Gill took over Oh, no, it must, have been, it must exactly. have been before that because it was Gill that said debt is the road to ruin and that was before 2005. So, he did. Um, yeah, yeah. So, no, Kenyon may well have left in... Was He, he was probably around for 99 yeah. and then left shortly after that, yeah. Kenyon's still hanging around the European football scene. Well, so is David, um, so is David Gill, who was re-elected so today Gill. for four years. So he must be like having a hell of a day, David Gill. It's like to the four committee, more years, yeah. four more years. Ed Woodward got sacked. I am the champion. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, 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 you know, I just, you know, said I hope that this is the, you know, the beginning of the end for... Um, the Glazers at United, and it could well be. Uh, I hope this is uh, a new dawn in sort of how we think about um, football governance and structures. Um, you know, it, it comes to something when UEFA are the good guys, but they were very, they were very strong. Seferin was mm-hmm. very strong in his articulation against this. Uh, it looks like they are trying to put together private equity money to sort of support the financing of the restructure under the Swiss model. I assume that's going to be ratified. The big clubs will probably get what they want. They will get, they won't get all the power to control the marketing and the rights distribution, um, I imagine, uh, but they will get more money and it'll be more money on the basis of more games, not on the basis of fewer participants. Uh, But they, they'll get something of what they want. So, you know, I'd like to believe that this is a, a bright new dawn for football, but it's not really. We've we've just stepped back from the precipice of something that would have been utterly devastating for the game, beyond the twelve clubs that were the founding members of this grubby thing. So, um, you know, it's it's a good day. I wish I was more hopeful about what the future would but, bring but for football. Ed, like, it could be. Maybe this is the yeah, spark for something at government level. This is maybe. the thing, like, like if you can't be hopeful now, when you, you're never going to be able to be hopeful because we've just pulled this thing back from the brink. You know, this thing, this thing yeah. went, it, it went right to the, this wasn't um, a bluff. They were, they were going to start the Super League. 
Perez and Glazer yeah. and the Glazers um, were going to start the Super League, uh, and Arsenal and Tottenham were both going to be in it. But that's listen, that's another. This is for another day. Um, there's a very funny. Uh, things tweeted like some Arsenal and Tottenham fans being like, "Why, why is our club catching strays in every single time anyone complains about the Super League?" It's like, it's like random coaches being like, "But also, how come the ninth best team in England's in this thing?" <laughs> you know, um, and there is there is some some relevance to that uh, that point. I mean, um, so on Woodward then, if. We'll see what the future of football un- unfolds. I- I'm sure it won't be a, a rosy, fan-dominated um, paradise, but maybe, maybe you know, maybe th- maybe they will all, much like they didn't take massive dividends out in 2010, maybe they'll all think twice next time before they do this. I mean, Perez won't because, I mean, Perez is just deluded. You know, he's a proper, um, he's a proper sort of, narcissist isn't he he's like completely detached from reality um Perez is uh but yeah you've got to imagine that that the next the next group of people that wanted to make the huge power grab of football for their own ends will think twice about doing so Yes, they will. I mean, what what they'll probably take away from this is that it's better to um, do this all in the background than be balls out uh, and do it up front. Um, So do the politicking behind the scenes and make sure it gets structured in the way you want it without pressing the nuclear button when you find out that your arsenal is empty. Uh, anyway, yeah, and you know, and what I was saying before is, I wish I was more hopeful. I am hopeful, you know, because this is a good day. I feel like my relationship with Manchester United is not the same as it was two days ago. And that was not, that was a, as we've spoken about on this pod, a very much compartmentalised relationship anyway. Disgusted with everything the club represents, um, except for the 90 minutes between three o'clock on a Saturday and 4.45 Between 4.30 on a Sunday and 6.30 on a Sunday. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, I'm just using those times as a proxy. (laughs) But... um, you know, and and I was it was going to be very difficult for me to continue that compartmentalization in a world of Super League where it doesn't matter, where a world where that that team playing on a Saturday or Sunday or whatever, the weekend team would almost certainly be the weaker team, um, and that if you weren't in the top four or whatever in your group in the Super League, basically nothing mm. counted for half of the season. You know. That wouldn't have been better football. That'd have been much, much worse. And it's all part of the the hubris that you mentioned of of these people who just assume just because Real are playing Manchester United that it's somehow better. They don't understand fans. They don't understand fan culture. They certainly don't understand young people, which was Perez's argument. Young people don't watch football, you know? Um, Make it accessible, make it fun, make it enjoyable, engage with the fans. Make it cheaper. Make it cheaper, Young people, yeah. I want to answer the question. Like 16 to 24-year-olds, A, aren't interested in football, or B, can't afford to go to games, pay for the subscriptions, do all the... Like, football is is not, you know, it's, it's financially inaccessible unless you're at least reasonably well off, like, at least comfortably off. I mean, that's right. Um, so, uh, as United fans have found out to their cost, you, you go to a European away game at one of these clubs and it costs you a hundred euros to go. And, 
and and season tickets, although they've been frozen at United, are expensive. Taking a family of four, two kids, mum and dad, or whatever, um, it, you can buy a PlayStation for that yeah, amount, yeah, money, yeah. basically. Um, and and so yes, football is an expensive um, form of entertainment, and no wonder that they are losing um, catchment of of the community that they once had. I'd love to believe that this this would uh, herald a reassessment of all that, but of course we know yeah. it won't. We know it won't, and and these are grey, mostly men. Um, yeah, don't understand. It seems the the product they are marketing and the community they're marketing to. Uh, and they and got talking it of uh, grey men who don't understand the community that they're marketing to, uh, marketing to Woodward um, is. I was. Gonna I, thought, be... I thought you were talking no. about me for a second. <laughs> no, then. no, um, no. There's a little bit of grey in the beard, Ed, but you've got a lot of the on top. That's it's hardly touched. I've got a lot more silver in the in the fox than you have at this point. Um, the uh, the the Woodward situation to to return to that subject. Um, you know, we we said before the show, maybe we talk a little bit about what his legacy will be, and of course, you know, Woodward's legacy at Manchester United is evil. This is this is the thing. Edward Wood strikes me as quite a personable fellow. You know, he I remember him being interviewed in MUTV. I've said this on the show before, but I remember thinking he seems all right for someone that definitely votes Tory. Like, you know, um the people that I know that have met him found him to be good company and and all those kind of things. None of that excuses the fact that this man has conducted evil acts upon our club. He is in his job because he was the one who organised the leverage buyout. He was the man behind the scenes yep. when the Glazers leveraged a, a, a buyout. And for, for for listeners that weren't that haven't listened for a long time and and weren't around in two thousand and five, what that means is Manchester United was entirely debt free. Um, the club was bought with massive debt, which was then transferred from the owners onto the books of the club. So then Manchester United was suddenly in debt to the tune of the amount it cost to buy Manchester United. Unbelievable that that's a thing that can happen. Nonetheless, Woodward was the one who worked for, who was it that he worked for? Was it JP Morgan? No. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he worked for JP Morgan and and organised that, that buyout. He was rewarded by being made head of uh, commercials at the club. Did this thing that was kind of widely lauded of segmenting the market, um, basically selling sponsorships on a kind of very segmented basis to local companies around the world in the in the kind of global markets that hadn't been monetized yet well done um everyone caught up with that and he never had a single innovative idea after that for the rest of his time he was then insanely overpromoted um after david gill left to be executive vice chairman which meant that he was essentially in charge of manchester united only the owners above him who um who would have signed off the checks um, would have had any kind of say above him. That means that he was responsible for the appointments of. Mm, we'll give him a pass on Moisey because that was really Fergie and and Gill that put that in place. But Louis Van Gaal, Jose Mourinho, Louis Van Gaal, by the way, Jose Mourinho, and then he's talking about how um, proud he is of um, hiring Oli Solskjaer and helping the club get back to its roots. It's like, well, 
I'm like, oh, I've um, I've smashed your window and I'm very, very proud that I've slightly started to repair it. You know, I've looked, I've put this whole pane of glass back yeah. in. Don't worry about this gaping wind blowing through this other hole that I made. I'm really proud of this fantastic repair work I've started. Like, honestly, this absolute loser of a of a of an executive on every level like just on on every level and paid you know remarkably handsomely for it and so we'll see him turn up back at jp morgan um i imagine uh trying to put together super league two at some point i jest I, I was I talking to um, Musa Okwonga and he said he's just going to do wealth management for the Glazers. He's only going to need to change his SIM card. He isn't even going to need to... like. He's just going to do the same job, wealth management for the Glazers. Um, the, the, uh, the, the thing that happened um, apparently was that after the game or at training yesterday, the players confronted Ed Woodward. Um, Harry Maguire, very vocal, apparently. Um, I wonder if he just said, get out of this club or I'm going to break your neck, <laughs> like at this, at this point. <laughs> um, the players were furious. Marcus Rashford, of course, tweeted the picture of um, the football without fans is nothing. Luke Shaw yep. kind of um, was very measured and quite lovely um, statement saying he kind of was reluctant to do anything that would show his employers in a bad light because he shouldn't really do that. But this didn't sit right with him, which I thought was a, a beautifully sort of measured and gentle way of putting it. Um, and did his player of the season aspirations no harm. Yes. And, and you know, apparently many players were unsettled by this behind the scenes, um, partly to do with, with this sentiment that football should be competitive, partly to do with uncertainty around their contracts and the fact that so much of their 25% of their wages and, and much of their bonuses is tied to Champions League football. Um, and what would this mean for renegotiation? And partly because actually some major agents were saying, well, look, just because there may be more money for each of these clubs um, there, and we talked about this on the last show, there are potentially controls in place and it might actually mean less money for players um, because they were going to close up shop. Which, which we see in the American sports, for sure. So, yeah, you know, lots of things will have unsettled the players. The managers weren't given the heads up. The players certainly wasn't, weren't. Um, that was incredible hubris not to, to talk to those two communities um, from the people who were in charge. We never expect them to talk to fans because they just don't care. Um, but the fact that um, this wasn't discussed with governing bodies, government, players, managers, you know, ambassadors... All fans tells you something about the absolute cretins that were in charge of this process. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure we'll have much more to talk about in the years to come. Years to come? Days to come. Days to come. Um, there, is a, there is a game this weekend that, uh, you know, we can watch with a bit more joy this time. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> than, 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 than would have been the case, I imagine. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Before we, um, before we talk about that, um, we really should talk a little bit about um Jose Mourinho. I I just feel like I feel like Yeah, so we don't even need to do a, a preview at least because we yeah, did it on the last show. But yeah, let's talk yeah. about Jose. Um I'm in the I mean I, I, I honestly this was as much of a shock as this was maybe more of a shock than when he got sacked from us. Because, I, I mean, I'm sure everybody remembers that, that was listening to the show at the time. Literally the show before he got sacked, 
I had more or less decided I wasn't going to do any more of these between then and the end of that season because I didn't know how to say anything more about how awful it was and the ways in which it was awful. And, and it felt, and I think I said, I can't see it them ever changing it. And that was when we did our last emergency podcast. Emergency podcast, first one ever was Rooney, where we recorded a, a, a show and then the next day he said he was staying. Um, we did a brief one, uh, a one that was a Twitter-only release uh, on the day we signed RVP. Um, and uh, Mourinho getting sacked and then and then this one. I, th- I think that's all of them. Um, but yeah, uh, Mourinho was fired from Tottenham the week before a cup final. It was clearly he had lost the dressing room to such an extent that Levy thought the best way of them possibly winning... Um, uh, winning a trophy was him getting fired. And and Richard Jolly, uh, excellent football journalist Richard Jolly, tweeted, I think this means that Jose Mourinho is the only European Super League manager ever to be sacked that's ever going to be sacked. <laughs> it's great, yeah. Um, I, 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 look, the cynic in the back of my head says uh, that Levy may well have been more fearful of Jose winning uh, the Carabao Cup and not being able to <laughs> sack him. Um, so he's uh, he's he's not actually although he has been relieved of duties he's still on the payroll so he'll play out he'll get paid um, his uh, gardening leave uh, until he gets another job wherever that is. Oh, interesting. So is that a way of not having to pay a big amount up front? Yeah. I guess so. I mean, I, I wondered whether they just like were counting the chickens on the JP Morgan money coming in and using that to pay off Mourinho. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, well, they'll have to reassess that. You know, they were they were in the Super League because of their shiny new stadium and not their shiny manager or their shiny team. It's absolutely um, crazy. They, they, Ryan Mason is taking over. Twenty nine years old, retired because uh, he had a nasty head injury uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, he'll be in charge until the end of the season. And I'm sure they'll get a big bump out of that because, like they were at Carrington, uh, I'm sure the Spurs. Well, when Mourinho got sacked at United, I'm sure the Spurs players are dancing around their yeah. training. As we What's speak. absolutely beautiful about this is loads of people shouted at us for a year that we were wrong and he was great. Well, actually, they've never they haven't stopped the shout at a year while he was still in charge, and they never stopped since. And they what they were shouting is, no, this isn't the thing that's happened. This isn't the thing that's happened. And while they've been shouting that, the exact same thing has happened again somewhere else. Exactly the same, only in a slightly condensed fashion. And this kind of, you know, Jose's third season is arriving quicker and quicker and quicker. He's just going to, at his next job, he's just going to, like, walk in and give a press conference being like every player in this club is absolutely terrible. Um they what what am I expected to do with these people? It's gonna happen day one in his next gig. So Yeah, day two yeah. sacked. Uh, it'll be a fasting moving story than the collapse of the season. I mean League. this yeah. has been this has been a hell of a terrible forty eight hours for our enemies. Like after that day when they beat us six one and it was a good day for our enemies, today has been a terrible day for our enemies. Would he was sacked Woodward's gone, or at least um, that we know when he's going. It is, it's a shame that it's sort of, it's a shame that it's so dignified. Like, this guy doesn't deserve a, a dignified, respectful corporate exit. He deserves to be hounded out of the, you know, the thing that he pretended happened, <laughs> that they tried to hound him out of the city, which, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, yes. 
he he absolutely deserved uh, a public sacking in the most humiliating fashion possible. And I wish him as much professional misery as there is possible to to be had in the rest of his miserable, worthless career. Uh, but yes, he's he's leaving with a you know full double barrel praise from the Glazer family because of course he's helped them make them very wealthy and. And uh, th- there's plenty, of, I'm not going to read it all out, but uh, you read some earlier, but there's plenty of double speak in that press release about how much they've invested and all of that. And absolute nonsense. So I think we can be sure that whoever's in charge of United beyond Woodward, uh, if the Glazers are still there, it's going to be more more of the same. Maybe they'll appoint someone competent or maybe Richard Arnold will just get a promotion and... Um, and Matt Judge will get more responsibilities as long as along with his head of football negotiation responsibilities. Now it's worth saying at this point, we've talked about how fast moving this is, um, but there isn't actually official news saying um, this isn't uh, this isn't happening anymore. No, uh, sure, we, we we are definitely making that assumption, but there is apparently a meeting of the Super League twelve. Or is is it only ten now? Yeah, well, ten. Yeah. Um, Appar- apparently, they were an hour ago. They were on a Zoom call together. Um, the uh, Jordan Henderson said, uh, "We don't like it, and we don't want it to happen. This is our collective position. Our commitment to this football club and its supporters is absolute and unconditional." And that's just that is that is a strongly worded statement from somebody within, like the captain of that club. And apparently, there was a meeting earlier of all the captains and stuff. So, um, yeah. Anyway. Um, no, no. I mean, it's it's a good. Uh, we we could look very silly putting this out, and uh, the, there's another press release dropped at midnight tonight, which basically says we're doing yeah. it anyway. But no. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. I think it's nearly impossible for them to push ahead um, in the face of of pushback from from government, from governing bodies, from fans, from players. Increasingly, and the floodgates will open now on that, uh, and from rival mm. clubs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, now let's turn our attention to racism in football, to, you know, uh, the... Com- yes, well, as, as some people noted um, over the last couple of days, football mobilised a lot quicker to stop this than it has done to um, stop racism yeah, in the game. Yeah, and, and I think sure. partly that's, you know, partly that's the bad reasons um, and partly that's this was a one single focused thing that people could um, actively yeah. fight against in, you know, not that the fight against racism doesn't need this kind of effort and energy. And it certainly does. I mean, it certainly, certainly desperately does. And uh, we'll continue to t- talk about the things that we need to talk about and try and learn what we need to learn and do what we need to do. But for now, um, farewell, European Super League. We hardly knew ye. Farewell, Edward Wood. Jesus Christ, we really did know ye, and it was an absolute pain. Um, and, like, yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, there are lots of rumours that he didn't know much about this. I don't know if I said that earlier in the show. Lots of rumours that he didn't know much about this, and it seems weird, but anyway. Well, um, there's certainly a friendship between Joel Glazer and um, and John Henry. At, yeah, uh, Fenway. Right, yeah. Um, and some of the American owners yeah. in the Premier League, yeah. So, all right. 
Um, thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this emergency podcast. We'll be back. We will now be back after the Leeds game. I'm probably going to watch that game now, which I almost certainly wasn't going to, because I think yesterday I might not have been a Man United fan. Uh, I think, and my current status currently, just about a Man United fan clinging on by my fingernails to the idea that I can do this, yeah. but you know. Fully compartmentalising. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see where this takes us in there, you know, because I think there could well be yeah, more development. Absolutely. For sure. All right. Take good care, everyone. Much love. Okay. Here's power to the people. Bye now. <laughs>